And now, the Houston Football Show, brought to you by Inside Edge, with your hosts, Aaron Wilson and Jason Braddock. Welcome, man, to the Houston Football Show brought to you by Inside Edge. Yes, we have brought on our new title sponsor, Inside Edge. You'll find out a lot about them, including their insane sites, uh, stats you're not going to find anywhere else, pro teams, PR, the websites that have the best sites that you go to. They all get the Inside Edge, and we're going to let you know how you. Now, yes, it's been made available to the consumer, and we're going to let you know how you can get it also with a as well. But we've got to get it started here on the fourth edition of the Houston Football Show. Of course, Aaron Wilson, Jonathan Danger Cole producing for us. And before we get the show kicked off, Aaron, you had a little bit of breaking news with the Texans roster uh, that came out a little a couple of hours before the show this evening. Right. Yeah. A couple of things happening from a health standpoint, also from a roster standpoint. So now that they've already Moved on from Jordan Jenkins and Chad Beebe, Harrison Elliott, and they also cut Damian Daniels. And the roster moves aren't super surprising. And Damian's someone that they might keep in mind for the practice squad. But at this time, yeah, he's cut. And, you know, we'll see what happens next. And then, you know, Kenyon Green, he's making progress. Uh, His concussion symptoms have subsided. His knee is getting better. I don't know when he'll start practicing. It sounds like it'll be more of a, you know, at the soonest next week, but that would be good. And then uh, I think Kevin Pierre-Lewis, who did not practice today, is expected to return tomorrow. Meanwhile, look for Garrett Wallow ankle and Christian Harris hamstring and Anthony O'Claire knee to miss this game. Chester Rogers is finally back, and so he'll get into the mix. A wide receiver as he tries to make a late bid here to try to – get a spot and yeah, that that's mostly what's going on with the team. And then they have to cut five more players after this next game against the Rams. I'll be traveling. Yeah. On Friday morning to uh, watch the game and, and see them. So yeah, I'm excited and uh, looking forward to learning more. And of course uh, the big talk of the team is Damian Pierce, the running back from Florida, their fourth round draft pick. Had an outstanding debut. He was powerful. He was explosive. He was all football player. I like the way he blocked. I like how physical he was. And there was a play that I thought said a lot about him and really his football character and hustle and toughness. He is the target on this pretty bad Jeff Driscoll pass that's deflected and intercepted. He goes down to the ground. He jumps up and he starts shoving people away from him blockers that were you know in his path and he makes the tackle by the sideline and he had to run a long way to do that which showed some speed but it wasn't just speed it was that was want to I mean you know I know it's just a preseason game and I don't want to attach too much meaning to one play but Jason I, I thought that play said something you know sometimes plays say something about a guy's sure. attitude and uh you know and then talking to him afterward you probably saw some of the videos of him and you know, just kind of how feisty he is and how emotional. Uh, I think this guy is going to be a real fan favorite. And at one point he was kind of, you know, tapping himself on the chest. And uh, you could tell he was ready for more. Like if he had played, 
mean, he had five carries for 49 yards, so a little more burn for this guy, Jason, and he looks like he could be a 100-yard rusher. Now we have a debate. Is he going to be running back one, or do you give Marlon Mack more time because he's a rookie and you know, you're not really worried about titles on who's starting and all those things. It's more about touches. Right. In my, in my opinion on that's been clear since day one. Uh, yeah. I felt like Damian Pierce coming into camp, like there was, there was no one on this level. Studying his film coming out of Florida, watching what he did against that Georgia defense, which was like the 33rd NFL defense with all their prospects coming out. And uh, a shout out to our title sponsors, Remarkable by Inside Edge. This is one of their stats I thought that was very impressive, and it kind of points to that first game and Aaron talking about Damian Pierce averaging 9.8 yards a carry, almost 10 yards a carry. Damian Pierce, one out of every four and a half rushes he had in 2021, went for 10 plus yards. That's an insane stat for me. And then we see him average almost 10. Like you said, Aaron, yes, to put it put it in there, it is week one preseason and you're going against backups, especially with him coming in in the second quarter as well. But, man, there's a lot to be excited for. I absolutely believe he's RB1. Um, and I think they may need to add a younger guy. We'll get back to some more of the week one standouts here in a second, Aaron. But I want to go back and touch on some of the moves you talked about. Firstly, you mentioned Damian Daniels. And I felt like he's a luxury piece. Uh, it possibly gets claimed. But if he goes through waivers, I could see a team that's uh, possibly out there uh, uh, needs this big nose that can stop you on third and short, fourth and short, because you watched him in Saturday's uh, game and he was just a mound to move. And I thought you brought up a great point. And I, I want to make sure we bring this back up that you said that this is something to where if they are able to go back and get him again with a 16 player practice squad, he could still be in, in those plans if he doesn't catch on somewhere else. Absolutely. And, you know, it's very competitive. So when you're talking about, You've got a draft pick in Thomas Booker, and he was pretty good. And, right. you know, this was a little bit of an eye-opener game with him. And then Kurt Heinisch, who I thought has been really, really good in practice. You know, as Lovey Smith said, when you're a nose tackle and you get a sack, that's outstanding. Right. And he was moving pretty well, and he just never stops. He's always coming at you. And I wrote a little bit about him today. And, I, you know, I And where can they find that at? Um, I wrote I that for KPRC2, click2houston.com, and um, proud to be a contributor with Randy McElvoy and nice. Ari Alexander and Chancellor Johnson, those guys. So, yeah, it's uh, nice to work with them and do some television and uh, writing and uh, helping them with their website. And, yeah, it's a, a great, great group. And That's I'm awesome. You can check them out at Pro Football Network. He is their NFL insider and Texans insider at KP, uh, KPRC2 as well, providing content. Aaron's doing it all. And obviously the co-host here with me on the Houston Football Show as your Texans insider. So we're going to continue to pick his brain as we, we get him for that first 30 minutes of the show. And then I go solo in that second half. So while we have him here, let's take advantage. You touched on a couple things there, that defensive tackle position, uh, the, them waving Damian Daniels. You talked about talked about Kurt Heinish as well. Um, Thomas Booker, the draft pick. There's been guys that have really stepped up that that D tackle position was really stood out to me as just if I put it in one word, it's just 
balance. These guys have so much balance. They can hold up to the double teams. And it leads me to this next category I want to run through with your expertise, Aaron. Surprise cuts. I've got a couple guys here I want to throw to you. Tell me if, uh, Jason, you're seeing it wrong or this is what I'm hearing. But at that D tackle position, Ross Blacklock, we're in year three. This is supposed to be the big year three for the prospects, sec, former second-round pick. And we're still seeing a one-dimensional player that's aggressive, active hands. All of that looks good on pass rushes. But you've got so many D-tackles in depth that can provide you know, provide that value and anchor against the run game. And I'm still not seeing that from Blacklock. Could he be a surprise cut? I don't agree. Uh, we, I just have a different opinion that's on fair. Ross. Yeah, and that's okay. That's that's the thing. We can respectfully disagree on, like, some people, their discourse. Uh, I thought that Ross – I feel like we're talking about me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, no. There were some others. Uh, actually, uh, we're, you're not in any drama right now. Yeah, Not there, right now. Some, not right now. Some, put that in my other individuals in this market. Uh, I don't want to – I found – I met Phil Jackson. I found my zen. I met peace with everyone. Yes. Everyone who uh, doesn't – everyone who doesn't like me, I'm just like, okay, well, yeah, I'm like, not going to you know, beef my, with them. I found my like, zen. That's like me. I went to yoga class tonight, yes. and uh, I feel very calm and uh, relaxed nice. and stretched out. So uh, I really needed that. So, yeah, That's I was tired, but I, but I went anyway. But uh, but to Ross, I saw a guy that was penetrating, that was disruptive, was hard hard to block, and I feel like he's more of a gamer than a practice guy. Always has been, and I'm interested to see more from him because okay. I feel That's like fair. his ceiling is higher than. Kurt Heinisch and some of these other players, I think his ceiling is probably higher than, you know, Roy Lopez who's a starter, but for Ross, it's always been about being consistent, putting it together. But I do like a lot of, you know, things I see from him. I wonder if they showcased him and some of this plethora of linebackers, Right, they could be able to get a trade going, maybe get a tight end, get something else. We just saw one today, and it's not Texans news, but you reported on it. Uh, what was the trade that went down earlier? I believe the Titans, so it is some AFC South news. Gillespie was traded from the Las Vegas Raiders to the Titans, mm. and it's for a conditional draft pick. So he goes from Las Vegas to the Titans, who have injuries with Hooker, um, is injured Amari Hooker. They had another injury at safety. So they're banged up at safety. And John Robinson, their general manager, makes a move with Dave Ziegler, the Raiders general manager. And so they get that done. And it looks like Tyree, a uh, fourth-round pick from the previous regime, just wasn't in the plans. And he mostly played special teams as a rookie. But, yeah, that, that was an NFL trade. And, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's always fun. I, I got a heads up. And. I was able to uh, – it was really fortunate. It took um, two calls and then one text. And so that I was able to get everything I needed. And, uh, yeah, that that doesn't happen every day. So I was – I'm excited. I uh, was happy to report that. Wish him luck in Nashville. We'll see how yeah, he does. Absolutely. And you for, said there's uh, an injured – you also had a little um, Florida man news, right? Did you say something about an injured hooker in Nashville? Uh, <laughs> uh, Amari Hooker. Oh, okay, okay. Amari, That's on me then. Amari, Amari Hooker is injured, um, and so they have they have some depth issues at safety right now in Nashville. And then uh, there was a torn ACL. Javin White. He was wave injured by Chicago. But uh, 
yes, there was there was a fair amount of injuries uh, here and there. He's and too then... professional for me. I try to bring him down to my level. Aaron's too <laughs> professional for me. I'll let you make it, Aaron. So you were touching on getting back in all seriousness about that linebacker depth on top of the Ross Blacklock. So rolling back into my next surprise cut. And again, you kind of mentioned it. Jalen Reeves Maven led the entire team as a vet who just signed a two-year, $7.5 million deal this offseason, had a team-high 57 snaps, excuse me, 57 snaps and nine plays on special teams. Now, you touched on it that they may have been spotlighting some players for trade. Do you believe that's the uh, case with Reeves Maven? And why would it make more sense for a trade to spotlight them than an outright cut? Well, sometimes you hope you can get something back and you look for opportunities. So if you're Nick Casario, you're always working the angles. It's a chess match. You're thinking, thinking, thinking. You're networking. You're calling around. You're paying attention to, you know, reports and seeing, you know, is there anything to them? Is someone not getting a lot of work? All those things. So uh, actually a lot of times what happens is if someone's a local reporter and they have some good information, well, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'll give you an example. So like Elliot Wolf from the Patriots, he's on Twitter. He doesn't ever tweet, but he's following me. So he is looking for information. And it's not always like roster moves or contracts. It might be something else, but they are looking and everyone's paying attention to everything. And there's Absolutely. just a lot of information and you have to consume it and you have to get the right information and you use it and apply it. Ultimately you have to make a football decision. So if you're Nick Casario, you can look at what are the merits of a trade? And he has shown in the past that he will make trades. He'll burn through late picks. If he has to, we saw him trade for Ryan Izzo last year. Then he, Got rid of Ryan Izzo. We right. saw him uh, trade for uh, the quarterback from play for Cincinnati. Um, was it Ryan Finley? I think that's right. Yeah, Ryan Finley. Yep. They traded for him and then they cut him and replaced him with Jeff Driscoll. So yeah, things like that happen. And but you, as he said, I thought it was a good point by him. And I think he even said it like last year. We're always going to you know, take these shots. We're going to be aggressive. And I think you've got to, you can't be afraid to fail. You have to accept that sometimes you'll be wrong or the player will just won't pan out. But I I like the fact that he's willing to make these moves. And you remember a few years ago, they weren't doing a lot. Uh, Remember like in the Rick Smith era, there wasn't a lot of bold moves. And then Bill O'Brien, after years of frustration with that approach, started making some big moves. Boldest move Rick ever made was, a good move football-wise was trading up to get Deshaun Watson. And yeah, you know, some other good picks like J.J. Watt, et cetera. But, yeah, I digress. But the thing about what they're doing, it wouldn't surprise me. They're also – they're third in the waiver uh, order. So maybe he'll do absolutely. some waiver claims. Yeah, yeah but absolutely. I, Take advantage of that. The makeup of this roster is very fluid. There are going to be more changes. Now, staying on that defensive line, I want to go – we touched on Ross Blacklock, Jalen Reeve, Maven. Jalen Reeves Maven in that linebacker group. Derek Rivers is a name I want to bring up to you because we saw the two sacks. Uh, you were talking to him there at the presser today after practice about one of those pass rush moves as well. But for me, what I've seen with Derek Rivers and a vet this late, I know he's got the ties to Casario in New England, but I see a situational pass rusher. Yeah, he had one special team snap last year. He, uh, you know, played on special teams, but he didn't record any t- uh, tackles, if I recall. Um, the depth at that defensive end position 
I can't see how he makes the team. Is this going to be a surprise cut for fans that see he had two sacks? I I mean, he was cut last year, so he did make the roster. He's a little quicker this year, and he's a player that they really like his his personality. He's a former Patriot and a really good guy. I think very highly of him, but I would say the oboe is a little better than him. Maybe not just a little, maybe a lot better. So Oboe Akaronquo, to me, Rashim Green, Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, John Grenard. So right. you got about five defensive ends there. And then, you know, is there going to be a sixth? Right. We'll see. And, yeah, and there's that, no real combo true. guy, except there's only one guy that I think can play inside or outside, and that's Rashim. And that makes yeah. him really valuable. Uh, and I could see Rashim. If you were to tell me that Jerry's not going to start and that Rashim mm-hmm. is going to be every down type of guy, I'd be fine with that, especially at his age. And I think he's someone they might want to do another deal for if he pans out the way I think he can. So what if you have Green and Grenard? But we'll see. I, I think ultimately Grenard will play more snaps probably than anybody else right. on the defensive line. Him and Malik Collins. And then, you know, you'll have something of a rotation with the other defensive end spot. But it's a good problem to have. And, yeah, Derek could be outside looking in. He would be great for the practice squad. And then eventually, you you know, you elevate him some or you run out of elevations. But you just have to factor in injuries. So, you know, when you talk about a plethora of depth right now, that can change so fast, Jason, where you, you know. That's a great point. And you don't have it. No, I th- I'm just saying, I, I think you bring up a great point there with the injuries factor. We're still, uh, just to throw that out there, we're still early in the preseason here. You know, you still got preseason week two, preseason they're doing, week three. They're doing a nice job of, I think, trying to work, give guys the proper amount of rest, give them time to get healthy. And, yeah, I think they're they're doing it the right way, uh, you know, as far as the training staff with, Roland Ramirez and strength coach and Mike Eubanks and everybody else that works there, or even nutrition with Lad Harris. And that came a long way, by the way, uh, way off topic. But these guys used to eat like chicken tenders and burgers and fries <laughs> in the uh, old days, like Gary Kubiak, Rick Smith days. The, the, now they get a lot of healthy food. These guys have smoothies. Okay. They've got really uh, very healthy uh, stuff to eat. And nice. everybody talks about Lad. And they, they brag on him. But he might be kind of their secret weapon is the food that comes from this Wow. Guy. Okay. All right. All right. There's a secret weapon. That's a little tidbit. I did not expect to know that the Texans secret weapon is in the food. It's in the food. Just like, I guess, H-E-B down here. That's our little secret. All right. So I got one more surprise cut before we move into the three, three as biggest positions of needs. I want to throw to you and see if you agree with these or not. I actually like the disagreement because it just gives that back and forth on different things you're seeing. And as we all know in sports and in evaluation, beauty's always in the eye of the beholder. And I want to find out what your eyes beholding at that left guard position. You t- talked earlier about Kenyon Green coming back from the concussion and the surgery this offseason. I don't think he's going to be ready for week one. So you're going to look at one of these vets and the guys that have been competing there, uh, Max Sharping, Justin McCray, Scott Quesenberry. You talk about the depth on the defensive line. Then we talk about who you possibly keep on offensive line. It's hard to, to keep the talent that's on the D-line if you want to keep 10 O-line. And I don't think they want to keep 10 O-line. I think they want to want that versatility so they can keep nine or possibly even less. So if that's the case, uh, Questenberry 
financially doesn't make sense to cut. And I don't think there's that big of a space between him, Sharping, and McCray. But there's two, 2.3 to 2.5 million in cap savings if they cut McCray or Max. Whoever loses a start left guard position between McCray and Max Sharping, do you believe there's a chance that they're a surprise roster cut? Uh, it won't be Justin McCray getting cut. I can tell you that. He can play center or either guard spot. He's very reliable. So can Quesenberry. I mean, all their interior guys, for the most part, can I, play. I mean, we don't I, see Sharp I mean, and Rep. Here's where I think it may go. Mm-hmm. I think Quesenberry probably sticks. They're probably going to have to cut Jimmy Morrissey and put him on the practice squad if he doesn't go Of course. Else. Right, right. Then Sharping, if he's not starting in front of, you know, um, Justin McCray, if Kenyon Green can't make it back in time, I think it's going to be touch or go. Uh, you know, one person told me today they wouldn't be surprised if Kenyon wasn't back this week, even, although I think he's got to practice starting tomorrow for that to happen. He'd have to get, you know, under the concussion. Wow. So you think it's that, um, from what you're being told, it's that close to him returning. There's some optimism in his camp that he is really feeling good. Well, let me run through this with you. Just play the numbers game with me. mm -hmm. So you know how, how, difficult it is to keep 10 on a 53 at that offensive line position. So with that in mind, let's just quick rundown. Tunsil one, right? Titus two, Justin Britt three, AJ can four. Uh, And now let's get into Kenya Green. He's obviously taking a spot. That's five. Five. All right. And then you have to go um, Justin tackle. Charlie Heck is seven. I say Austin Deculus makes it. And so now you're at eight. And then what about Cedric at, Obrehi? I mean, we're talking about, I know he just came back from injury, but he's been rep, repping hurt, ahead. Hurt a I mean, lot. That, so, yeah, I mean, well, that's I, fair. I'm, not sure I, I'm not sure I trust him from a health standpoint. I, I think I'd rather have Heck and Deculus. Oh, wow. So if you're Cedric keeping out, right out. All right, so then you just put them out there. So we're still at, we're still right around 10 there. So are you keeping you're looking at the Scott, and McCray? Does Scott and McCray make it? Yeah, I mean, I think that's possible. And Max, uh, it, it's a little, probably one too many, but I think there's a chance there. Yeah. And so if you I, cut those three and Quest can rep the center left guard and right guard, and whether you think he's better than McCray or McCray's better to me, I don't think the plus or minus is that vastly different between those two. Quesenberry gives you less than 400,000 of cap savings. If they decide to cut them, it wouldn't be a money Mc- decision at all. Right. Yeah, if you, if you cut McCray, call. yeah, if you cut McCray is 2.3 and Max is 2.5, I'm taking the extra 2 million in savings and I'm not having that fall off. And these guys are only playing if Kenyon Green's not able to stick it out at that. Max looks okay to me. Um, he's never really risen to the occasion uh, right. since his rookie year, but you know, it, it just comes back to, I would say he would be cut if you feel good about Kenyon. And okay, if you don't feel enough. good about Kenyon's health, then, you know, then you might need Max because the, you could probably make the argument, well, he's a little bigger and stronger than mm. McCray. And maybe you feel a little bit better about him with his starting experience next right. to Larry Tunsil. I think it's a tough debate for them. And, and that's why we yeah, enjoy having the other it reason there, you have I, to have another center or two right. is because Britt's knee is always something that you have to worry about. 
Fair point. Great point, actually. I think that's a, that's a great point. And Scott Quesenberry, actually, I uh, wasn't. I'm not sure if it was you who asked the question who asked in the media scrum today, but they were talking about Quesenberry and uh, the different positions he plays. All three on the interior. Uh, I think it was Brooks Capina actually for the Chronicle. And so the question to him was the interior of the offensive line and being able to snap center. And Quesenberry saying, "Well, well, almost all the guys can do that now on this team. So they've really done a great job with depth there." But I want that to take me into my three biggest needs before we have to hit a, a, our first break here. Um, <clears throat> three biggest positions of needs. Again, Aaron, I you know you never beat around the bush with me. That's what I love about you. Tell me if I'm not seeing it straight, or tell me if you disagree. I think these are the three biggest positions of needs. Number one's left guard. We just talked about it. It's sounding good that Kenyon's coming back. He's missed a lot of camp. I don't know if he's going to be plug and play week one after the time he's missed and the injuries working back from. And so if that's the case, Max McCray there at that left guard, I don't feel great about it. Is this, I mean, I, I think it's the, one of the biggest positions of need on this roster right now. Fair or not fair? I mean, I don't feel great about it. I would feel differently about it if Kenyon was healthy, but you know, he's, he's still working on that. I worry about the interior line in general here. Oh, and... really? Even with Britain can like, you know, they pretty much out there and everything. Or are you talking about going well, back? Ken, to I mean, Ken didn't really have the greatest tape last year for the Jaguars. I mean, he's, he's solid, but not, nothing mm. special. And then Justin. Yeah. Justin. You just, I mean, even when he's playing, he's, he's good. He's above average on a pro bowl center. So yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a deal where you have two talented tackles and the guys inside are not as talented. Yeah, fair Regardless enough. All right, let's move. Yeah, let's go move on to that next position, position number two. Uh, this isn't going to shock anybody. They tried to trade for Adam Shaheen with a six-round pick. Uh, obviously, the pick was voided because they found the injury there on the physical. Or the knee problems knee on the physical. Yeah, exactly. Um not a ton of action from Pharaoh today. We did see him in and out there with the team drills and all that. But we also saw Tegan and Shrek also repping with Mills there with the one. And it's quite alarming to see, you know, Tunsil, Davis Mills, all these, the Brandon Cooks, all the ones and talented players. And you look up and there's Tegan and Shrek at tight end possession. That's flashing red alarm. They have well, to do here, I think right? they're trying they to that waiver see, position you were talking about. Yeah, I think they're trying to see do these guys fit in in these situations. Uh, I thought they were going to move on a tight end this week after the Shaheen thing didn't pan out, right. and they've yet to two days through have a tryout. So we'll see if Nick before they go to Los Angeles organizes one or make some sort of other move, or if he waits until next week or the week after. But he can definitely get through these preseason games with the current personnel, even with Eau Claire injured. But, yeah, second position of need, tight end. And then I'm kind of on the fence on whether I think they're worse off at running back or receiver. I'm actually not feeling that bad about the receiving core. I think that Chris Moore and Dorsett – can hold it down and kind of be uh, splitting up what I would call the number three receiver role. And who knows, maybe the targets are higher for Brevin slash Farrell Brown uh, over there at tight end than the third receivers. But, you know, yeah, I, as might long as with you. I think it's more of the running back as well, more than a receiver. I, think, I, think just, yeah. I just think we need to see a little more from Mac. 
Are you talking about more repetition or more just more flash? We need to see him cut it loose. We need to see something. You know, okay. uh, we see it sometimes in practice. We don't see it always. Uh, you know, yeah, think, that's that's where yeah, I'm at as well. I, I, I just like to work a record on this, but I think you know, he, <laughs> right. he trusts it. You got to see it. Hmm. And so, I mean, that's a big question because if Mac isn't right or knock on wood, if something happens uh, with them or with Burkhead, they're so thin at that running back position. You got to think they'll at least go out and find a running back to add to the practice squad. There could be someone. Look at how loaded Cleveland is. Look at like Jerome Ford. Look at all the guys they have. Dearness Johnson, even they had a bad game the other night, fumbled. Yeah, they've got backs. Uh, maybe they'll have one that's available. We'll see. Yeah, and he also talked earlier about the Texans having that third position in waivers, and that goes all the way through week three of the regular season. All right, we're going to come back, and before we let Aaron get out of here for the evening, uh, we're going to hit a quick one-minute break from our title sponsors, uh, the Inside Edge. You've got to check out the remarkable by Inside Edge stuff. I'm going to let the commercial just say it all for me, and then we'll come back. We'll let Aaron run through the rest of the week one standouts uh, before we let him go on. For our listeners looking for an extra edge, we are excited to share a tool with you that our team uses here at the Houston Football Show. My Inside Edge is a destination for sports bettors and daily fantasy players where they can access for free matchup-specific insights and projections to help make informed bets and build winning fantasy lineups. The insights are endless. You'll have access to game matchup notes, player props, leaderboards, player ratings, and much more. The real goldmine, though, is Inside Edge's five-star picks. During the 2021 NFL season, their five-star picks were wildly successful. They were 34-14 and 14 against the spread, a 70.8% success rate. Access to the five-star picks is only $20 per pick, or get the deal of a lifetime Every five-star pick for the entire year for just $149. What's more, our listeners can save 10% off this access by using code HOUSTON. That's code HOUSTON at Inside Edge. All right, we're back here after a word from our sponsors, Inside Edge, the title sponsor for the Houston Football Show brought to you by Inside Edge. All right, Aaron, before we let you out of here for this evening, let me pick your brown brain. Couple week one standouts. First one you touched on a little bit earlier, Ogbo. Um, you know, what I saw from him just exploding, edge being powerful, natural balance, motor. Uh, and you talked about Rasheem and both of those guys. And we, I won't go back into the depth on D-line and O-line and what they keep, but the talent's there. Uh, I was impressed with what I saw. Is this what you were expecting with what you heard from him coming out of L.A.? Well, yeah, Oboa Karanko has a really good spin move. You saw what he did against a first-round draft pick that has a nasty streak, Trevor Penning, and he, he was really feasting on the rookie and these are things that he can do. He's in great shape. He can. He's the only guy that I've talked to him about this. He rushes really well from a two-point stance, mm. and not all of them can do that. Not everyone is capable of standing up, and he's one of those guys that can do that. And I think that makes him a little bit different, sets him apart a little. You know, he's a local guy, A. Leaf Taylor, was the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year at Oklahoma. And with the Rams, he grew, and he was around a lot of outstanding players like Aaron Donald and – you know, I was surprised there was a little more attention. I know he didn't have great production, but he didn't get to play as much because of the talent that they have in their front seven. 
know, they had Von Miller. They have a lot of guys. But when I look at him and the way he's playing now, I think he's really hitting stride. He's coming into his own. But, yeah, I'm right. I'm, I'm very uh, excited about seeing more from him. Uh, here's a guy. Texans had four six-round picks. You talk about how Casero loves to move around. Like, picks are like water for him. He just acquires them with ease. And me being a draft nerd, I love it. I mean, I, I'm in heaven just watching all the action. Every You watch the NFL draft this year, and every two seconds, the Texans' names being mentioned, moving up, moving back, acquiring picks. And, and, and it's not just moving the move. It's like pre-calculated. We talked about uh, on one of the previous episodes, Aaron, how when they moved back from 13 to 15 to take the guy they wanted all along, Kenyon Green, he acquired three other picks that he used each one of those picks to acquire three other uh, players in this past draft. It was basically, I know it's an old overused adage, but he was playing chess while everyone else was playing checkers with it. So, I mean, it's great to see from the GM here with the Texans. But one of the trades he did make, sending one of those four six-round picks out in 2023, was a linebacker in that crowded group, Blake Cashman. What did you see from Cashman this past weekend? Well, you know, he's very active. He's an instinctive guy. He can run. Uh, as Lovey Smith said, he fits the profile of what they're looking for in a linebacker. And it's really competitive. And they're going to have to make some tough decisions. You know, Jalen Reeves-Maven hasn't looked like a former second-round pick, really, to me in camp. He hasn't Fair. looked like Blake Cashman. He hasn't really even looked like Kevin Pierre-Lewis. And you know they have big plans for Christian Harris. And Christian Kirksey's not going anywhere. Garrett and Garrett Wallow. Wallow is one of the most improved mm. players on the team. Kamu, <laughs> yeah, they're stacked. Kamu is, oh, yeah, Kamu's one of the best off the ball linebackers as far as TFLs in the league. Mm. So, uh, you know, you can't keep all these linebackers. You normally have two of them on the field at once. You know, in most of their schemes, you know, they call it a four three. But how often are you in the four three, and how often are you in nickel? So right. I look at it and I think. Most of the time, it's going to be Kirko and Kamu, and then you got to build in some playing time for the Christian Harrises and guys like that that have a future. I could see them trading one of these guys or cutting a player. You'd be like, wow, I can't believe they had to cut him. Yeah, absolutely. You got Jalen Reese, you got Blake Cashman, and you have uh, Kevin Pierre Lewis. You could have more than one of those guys as an odd man out. Hmm. And I think that's fair. Yeah, not bad, but you know he's probably a good practice squad candidate. They have all these guys, and I think it's gonna be tough. That's where I think the cuts are difficult: is picking the linebackers. Yeah, I had to keep. I had to when I put out my fifty-three, and you know, Aaron, how difficult it is to try to guess what the front office is going to do and everything else. But uh, I, I do want just so. People that's following along on social media at Aaron Wilson underscore NFL at uh, Jason Braddock on Twitter. Uh, so they better, follow uh, and kind of see. Run what, Jason, um, yeah, I, I can answer like one quick question. Then I can. I I, well, go ahead, Aaron. I know you probably got calls coming in. Uh, some breaking news you got to handle. He's Aaron Wilson. Thank you for popping on again this evening. We'll see you next Tuesday as well, Aaron. Okay. Thank you.
Oh, yeah. All right, that's Aaron Wilson had to uh, pop on. And throughout different episodes, you've already seen this. He's going to have to come and go during the episodes. We're going to typically have him the first 30 minutes or so of each show. Uh, but as calls come in and breaking news, he's going to have to uh, pop off. So we're going to let him go a little early today. And I just want to touch a on a couple more of those week one standouts before we put a bow on it. Uh, Traymond Smith, there had been some talk that uh, maybe he's in a position battle there at the cornerback position. And what I was telling Aaron right before we let him go is that um, Cashman, I kept him on the 53-man roster, and I'm putting out this 53- and 16-man practice squad weekly now after each game just so uh, y'all can kind of get an idea of what we're seeing at practice and what our best guesstimate is. I mean, I have no clue what they're doing. I'm not Aaron. I don't have the inside sources on what, what all the decisions are going on behind the scenes. I'm just telling you what I see out there at practice, the valuations, how the fit, how they fit uh, X's and O's wise, and then also the financial side and how that can play and factor into the equation as well. But a guy that was mentioned and I talked about that linebacker position. I had to keep seven linebackers with Cashman, and I wasn't able to keep Jalen Reeves Maven. And I think he's probably a trade candidate. That's why we see him spotlight him. And the pick doesn't matter. You trade him out for a seventh-round conditional pick, and whether he meets the qualifications, you get the seventh-round pick or not, that's just the cherry on top. The benefit is if they just cut Jalen Reeves' maven right now, if the Texans cut him now after giving him a two-year, $7.5 million contract, it's like over $4 million in dead money, and there's no cap savings. So why not just take advantage of that and trade him if you can trade him for a conditional seventh? And so if you don't match the conditions, they don't even have to give up the pick, but you're getting that salary off your books to where, and it also changes that contract to where now the Texans only got like one and a half to two million in dead money. So cutting that dead money more than in half. And then the big deal is the cap savings, two and a half million. And cap savings, you might be saying, well, the Texans there at 30th or maybe 26, depending if you look at over the cap or spot track, uh, regardless, they're towards the bottom. And whether you're talking about having that money to make other moves this year or not, it does play a part in the future as the salary cap rolls over. And the Texans are top five in salary cap the next couple of years and going on. But uh, getting back to all this, the cornerback position is another position where. I, I had to have them. I had to have the Texans keep six cornerbacks. Just they had some of the injuries last year. Derek Stingley. We got to see if he's going to be able to go through being battle tested when the NFL season starts. And one of the guys there had been talk out there that he could possibly get cut. And Lovey shushed that this week by saying he's their number one kick returner. And I'm obviously talking about Traymond Smith. But Traymond hushed that before Lovey came out and said it. Just with his play. Uh, in this preseason week one, he had an interception, a pass defense, a special teams tackle, a kickoff return, and a punt return. I mean, that type of value you don't let go, especially on the contract he has. And he's also got around like 300000 plus guaranteed, so it wouldn't make sense to just move him with all the depth he provides on a 53-man roster. So just wanted to spotlight that because I don't know if people understand the type of utility and utility may be a disservice to Traymond Smith, but 
just the way he can fill so many roles and do it at a high level uh, as well. And I think he put that exclamation point and probably heard some of the some of the talk out there about him not making the team. And he put that exclamation point on it Saturday night. Cameron Johnson. Yes, you know me. I've I, I rarely talk about kickers, punters, long snappers. Cameron Johnston. On six punts Saturday, had a 56-and-a-half-yard average. And I know I'm nerding out on this. You know, we don't want to talk special teams unless it's returns or whatnot. That's a game changer. When you talk about the third element of football, offense, defense, special teams, that is owning it, and that's a field position switcher right off the top. Another thing that's a field position switcher is Lovey's defense. We've heard him talk this offseason about turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. That's the identity. We know it from Brian Erlacher and Lance Briggs, Peanut Tillman, and go on and on and on. What did Lovey's defense do? In the first preseason game, as he with him as a head coach, yes, he was with the defense last year as D coordinator. So there is some chemistry. Still, don't blow up my Hollywood ending here. First preseason game right out the gate, seven TFLs, five sacks, four quarterback hits, two forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries, one interceptions, one successful peanut punch, and a damn partridge and a pear tree. I mean, it was everything you could imagine from a Lovey's defense week one in the preseason and his first year as a head coach. Uh, I like the guy. I, I definitely like the guy. I'm going to just leave it at that. I like the personnel they brought in. I've been critical of this organization in the past, but I think rightfully so at times, but sometimes maybe overly critical. Right now, though, and let's go back to a word Brian Gain and Bill O'Brien had, alignment. It's a word they used before <laughs> their five-year arranged marriage fell apart shortly after year one. This organization really has that alignment Brian and Gain and O'Brien spoke about in hyperbole. And it's fun to see. And then you look at the draft picks, and I've gone into it in the past. It's on the uh, Twitter page as well if you want to check it out. So I won't rehash it here. All right, before we get into the second half of the show, got a little catching up to do. Again, if you missed the beginning of the show, the breaking news on it, we landed the title sponsor that helps bring the show to you. So if you like the content that Aaron Wilson and myself provide here on the Houston Football Show, please Please go out and check out our sponsors. Give them your business so we can continue to grow this because we, we do have some big plans for this. But we're going to start it off from the bottom. Go at the pace that it goes at. But helping expedite that pace is Inside Edge. And I want to tell you about Remarkable by Inside Edge and what they provide. You know, here at the Houston Football Show, you hear us use all these insights that are generated you know, by the team at Inside Edge. These insights have been a real game changer in our game analysis. You know, like our podcast, you already heard me talking about the Damian Pierce stats, the Davis Mills stats. And I'll give you a couple more as we go throughout the, um, the second half here. I may have Danger chime in with some of these things as well because they kind of the stats are so detailed and unique. They will paint 
a scouting report for a player for you without even watching the film. So it's great for me to be able to go back and mirror the two things up. But Inside Edge was founded over 30 years ago as a data and analytics provider for Major League Baseball clubs. If you've seen the movie Moneyball, then you know how Inside Edge works. The, the part, the data, the analytics, the revolution of professional sports, they're a big part of that. They've been given this information or providing this information to professional sports teams for 27 years. And now fans can have access to the same insights and analytics used by these exact same pro teams for free at myinsideedge.com. My Inside Edge is a destination for sports better and daily fantasy players where they can find matchup specific insights and projections to help make informed betting and fanning fantasy decisions. Now, again, this is my inside edge used by PR departments and professional franchises, professional franchises themselves, the favorite sites you go to and get these mind-blowing stats. And you wonder, how did these guys in the media get this? How did these organizations get it? Well, they got the inside edge and you too can get the inside edge as well. Go to insideedge.com and use promo code Houston. That's promo code Houston to save 10% right now. All right, we're going to get back into the show second half here. I want to bring my guy Danger in here. And I uh, haven't had a chance to properly introduce Jonathan Danger Cole and also his buddy Mark Larson. Uh, some days Danger will be with us. Some days Mark will be with us. Some days both of them will be with us. But uh, they'll help me and chime in from time to time, especially in the second half of the show, as I don't like just talking to myself here. It makes it a little bit more interactive here. Uh, Danger and Mark are the founders and owners of iLogic Media, and they allow uh, for us to put on this professional broadcast. So, Danger, welcome in to the broadcast. I know you've been with us the entire time, but let's make sure uh, – your vocals are working. How are you, Danger? You know, Jason, I'm doing well. And uh, not, not that, look, I'm not getting paid extra here for this, but uh, <laughs> go goofing off on this Inside Edge uh, software, uh, I now understand when you're listening to the, uh, you know, the Houston Astros broadcast, right? And right. I say, Jose Altuve leads the league in October when the, the temperature is below <laughs> 72 degrees and steals when it's sunny out and partly cloudy. 100% exit velocity on right. Tuesdays every other month. Yeah, exactly. I know where you're getting to, but that's where it comes from right here inside edge. It's crazy. It is. And I want to show it off a little bit more, but I want to do it where it's and in a way to where the listeners are enjoyable. So we've got Texans fans here and we did some digging. You did some digging on Davis Mills and you were able to find some strengths and weaknesses that are broken down by remarkable by inside edge. And uh, I just want to go through them, like throw some of these things that you've seen in there and you've got some positives and some negatives in there. And I think it paints a good picture statistically of where Mills struggled as a rookie and where he found success. And some of these are quite surprising. Uh, well, I mean, there's there's a lot of information in here. I mean, when you click David Mills name, the first thing that pops up is a uh, passer rating of 63 on road games. One of the worst, if not the worst in the NFL. Um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, it is. It is. And then I was mentioning that while while I was reading the meals uh, on Mills and while I was in there digging around. He had the top passer rating on scrambles last year. And it's right. not like last four games of the season or uh, second half or like you were talking, some oddity stat like every other Tuesday of the month. It was for the entirety of last year. You take into equation mm -hmm. every NFL quarterback and he had the top passer rating. And I mean, it blew me away. 
So what? Let, let's let's. So I'm a fantasy player. Okay. Full disclosure: I live in Michigan. I, I don't follow Houston as closely, right? So, um, what what does this mean to you, Dave, Davis Mills, with this scrambling passing? What's what's the new scheme this year? Is is that going to help me? Is Davis Mills somebody I'm going to stash in a two QB well, league? Here's what it means to me, Danger, and I, I think that's a good question because you talk about marrying it with the scheme with Pep Hamilton, and I think we're going to see RPOs. I mean, a lot of people, if you want to oversimplify it, they'll say Pep runs a West Coast offense. Well, he does, but it's not just West Coast offense. He said himself, if you go back and look at past quotes, that he came up under uh, Coriel. So you got vertical elements to it. He's going to, um, excuse me, uh, he's got RPO elements to it. You're going to have zone reads. And I mean, this isn't um, brand new revelations. All I did was go back and look and see what he did with Herbert, what he did when he was with Andrew Luck with the Colts. And this was stuff like with Luck, people um, would say he's got sneaky athleticism. Well, let's go with that same verbiage, sneaky athleticism for Mills. No, he's not going to be Lamar Jackson, but he's going to move the chains for you, and it's another element that keeps the defense uh, on their heel, so to speak. But a couple more of these stats that really just blew, uh, you know, kind of blew my mind was that last year in late and close games, again, these stats are brought to you by Remarkable by Inside Edge, in late and close games, Davis Mills had the third highest passer rating in late and close games. And the only two quarterbacks ahead of him were Matt Stafford and Patrick Mahomes. That's that's mind blowing for a rookie that had 11 starts since high school. Only 11 starts in college to come into the NFL and have the third highest passer rating in late and close game. And am I making too much of this danger? I mean, maybe they, they were a, a historically bad offensive team last year, right? I mean, I, I'm looking through just their overall team stats here. 2.9 yards per carry up the middle last year. They couldn't run mm. the ball. Eight, eight rushing touchdowns oh, on the, the, the season. The, I mean, injuries, the injuries hit all over that offensive line, and they couldn't yeah. run the ball worth, worth anything. I mean, actually, Rex Burkhead uh, averaged 3.50 yards per carry out of 49 qualified running backs. He ranked dead last. Oh, man. But. It wasn't good, man. And, you know, 29% of their drives ended in uh, three and outs. I mean, they just couldn't move the ball. So I I like these small stats you're finding about Davis Mills. And, um, you know, there's some good stats on there about Marlon Mack, too. Did you click through his? Oh, yeah, I've looked through a couple of them, but on Mills, just given that scouting report, the mm-hmm. the main thing that I really liked was just how it showed you what you saw on film. You also mentioned, like, well, having a top passer rating on scramble, what does that what does that mean to you? And to me personally, is I just watched film on him. I went back and watched every Davis Mills throw from last year. And when I came through it, I was like, wow, Davis Mills. And this is before we had these stats and knew that. I'm like, man, when Davis Mills leaks out right, he's insanely dangerous. And I put some clips out there. They're on the timeline at Jason Braddock on Twitter. But here's some other things that that marry up with what we've seen and you hear fans complain about uh one of the things is that like davis mills always checked down last year they just limited him in the offense the stats support that inside edge says that 74 percent of mills's passes last year were one to ten yards that's the fifth highest among any quarterback fifth highest percent so it was dink and dunk but uh i didn't know the disparity between him and shotgun and under center. And it's something that also makes me want to make a little mental note to watch for in the preseason and going into year two to see if we see that growth pattern. And where we saw was in shotgun last year, he had the 10th highest uh, 
passer rating among all quarterbacks. But when sure. he was under when he was under center, he had the, the ninth worst. And so it was a little bit surprising me that the disparity in it. And in one other area, and I want to move on. Is I don't want to beat everybody over the head with all these stats. You can go check them out yourself. Uh, now that they made them available to the fans at Inside Edge. Mm-hmm. But one other thing that stood out to me, and this one. Uh, I didn't notice this. I'll be honest. Um, I did, when I studied the fam and all this, I didn't notice. But he had six interceptions on just 49 pass attempts over the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. Obviously, worst among all quarterbacks. And so it's great. Again, I'm, I want to put a uh, – I want to put a so – What you're uh, saying is he, he needs to scramble. They need to work him in some RPOs. They got to put him on the move. No, um, I would and, actually – And the one thing I see here, Jason, that. is that uh, – did you notice how accurate he was in 20 yard plus passing situations? But see that, and that's one of the points that I was making last week. Cause I had heard this stat actually from somewhere else before that this one had actually been out there that uh, how great he was as a deep ball passer. And so that was the reason I went back. Cause at camp he's missing the deep pass every day. He missed it again today. And uh, Pep even had some comments about uh, working through this. And like, we've we've talked about this and different things like that. So uh, it's interesting to see him struggle with it on the deep pass in practice. And that stat being the way it is, how, how it just makes it sound like he's such a great 20 plus yard thrower. So I went back, watched every Davis Mills throw from 2021. What I came away with by the end of it, what I was comfortable with is that 30 yards and in, Mills is going to put it in a bucket. Once you start getting past 30 yards, routinely, consistently, the ball was inside and short. And so this is a point where it also, you don't want to just completely, if you're an evaluator, if you like to do the eye test yourself, you don't want to completely neglect what your eyes are telling you. And that's what I love about it is that I can go look at the film and then marry it with this or then mm-hmm. see where it disagreed. And when it disagreed with that stat, I went to film and I'm so insane. I went and watched every single throw so I could know exactly uh, where that cutoff point was. But let's put let's take a take a little break here. We got a couple more segments. When we come back, I want to hit on the young and unknown wide receivers for the Texans and the unknown uh, defensive tackles. But before we do that, we got one more commercial from our, our title sponsors, Inside Edge. Let's go ahead and run that danger. We'll come back and finish off the show. For our listeners looking for an extra edge, we are excited to share a tool with you that our team uses here at the Houston Football Show. My Inside Edge is a destination for sports bettors and daily fantasy players where they can access for free matchup-specific insights and projections to help make informed bets and build winning fantasy lineups. The insights are endless. You'll have access to game matchup notes, player props, leaderboards, player ratings, and much more. The real goldmine, though, is Inside Edge's five-star picks. During the 2021 NFL season, their five-star picks were wildly successful. They were 34-14 and against the spread, a 70.8% success rate. Access to the five-star picks is only $20 per pick, or get the deal of a lifetime Every five-star pick for the entire year for just $149. What's more, our listeners can save 10% off this access by using code HOUSTON. That's code HOUSTON at Inside Edge. 
Yeah, he sounds sexy, and definitely go check out uh, the Inside Edge. The Houston Football Show, last last part of the evening, fourth quarter, so to speak, to be cliche, I guess. Um, we're going to finish it off here, uh, as I mentioned there, with the young and unknown wide receivers and the young and unknown D tackles. I, I want to start at that wide receiver position. And the guy I want to talk about, and I put a video out today of Nico working after practice with Dylan Thompson. You probably heard me talk about him in the past. Former Gamecock quarterbacks now, uh, now there with the Texans. And, you know, obviously being a former quarterback, you can put the ball where you need to. And Nico's taking advantage of this. So I should say the Texans have taken advantage of it, but maybe more so Nico as he's routinely been there after practice and even during practice on the side when uh, he's not in reps or uh, it's not a drill that he's a part of or not in a team period. He's on the side with Dylan Thornham and working different nuances of the game. Exactly what he needed to do. He's got the physical skill set, the body and everything else. And he's got the ability. It's just the subtle nuances. And to see a player that understands that, then you have to buy in because if they're willing to put in the work and what I always tell my kids, man, it's just, it doesn't matter what you give in, what you don't have. If you have work ethic in this world, no matter what you do, you will outwork everybody and force people's hand, whether they like you or not, you'll force their hand just by outworking them. And so I won't go into a whole, you know, speech or anything on it, but Nico buys in on Nico. And that's what should be exciting to Texans fans. All right. Uh, and the last part on Nico as well. The videos on the timeline as well. Uh, at Jason Braddock. Also follow my co-host NFL and Texans insider for Pro Football Network. Aaron Wilson at Aaron Wilson underscore NFL. Um, the other thing, one of the videos I put out from this first preseason game is Nico blocking Bradley Roby as if Bradley Roby. I don't know if they had beef in the locker room. Uh, Mr. Steal Your Girl situation going on. I don't know what's going on, but Nico blocked Bradley Roby. And again, I put the little quick highlight on the Twitter machine there. And he blocked him like a bulldog on a bone. And with the Texans wanting to upgrade that running game, let me take you back to the Kubiak era where fans used to get upset about people raving about Kevin Walters blocking. But it was so good. You had to block. And if you go to the film, you would actually see why people who, who watched it and studied it and Kubiak and the offense, uh, Arian Foster, everybody would rave about it because when they would run that stretch zone, when they'd get outside and once you get to that second level, especially on the outside, you need those wide receiver to get that mesh point to wall off so that zone continues. And that's, you know, that's a big reason Arian Foster, I mean, well, the main reason was Arian Foster is the most instinctual runner I've ever seen. It was, it was water, running water is how smooth Arian Foster was, just instincts. If there was no hole, he would find one just off of instincts. It was better than vision. And so uh, anyway, I digress. But when you have wide receivers buying in, especially a 6'4", 221, out there second, third level blocking, and an offensive line with this size and mobility that can, you know, get their guys, has the chemistry, get to the second level and open the, those, those mesh points. 
then, I mean, I think it's exciting. It just adds to Nico's value. But moving on, a couple of the guys we want to talk about. One guy, first off, I talked a lot about during this camp, Connor Weddington. Talked about him uh, when the Texans first signed him this offseason and mentioned that he'd played three years at Stanford with Davis Mills. These guys were close. They had chemistry. I also talked about him in a 6'1 wide receiver that has some, like, running back return abilities. Like, you could do some uh, – Ty Montgomery type things with Connor Weddington, if you want a guy that's now with the Patriots. Uh, but six one guy with a six five wingspan has been catching everything. Also gives you depth on the return team as well. If the Texans keep five, I've had them on the roster this entire time, my 53-man roster, until this week. And the only reason I took them off is just uh, – my uh, my takeaway from what I've seen at practice and preseason week one and what we've seen from this regimen is they love vets. <laughs> they love their vet guys. So I don't think Philip Dorsett and Chris Conley are, are going anywhere. And we already know him. I've been telling you since day one that Brandon Cooks, Nico Collins and um, Chris Moore. Chris Moore is that third guy. I mean, I, Chris Moore reminds me of Brandon Lloyd, a little Spider-Man. Just throw it out there. He, run, he catches anything in his radius. I mean, it's insane. That's wide receiver three to me. But right there behind him is Chris Conley and Philip Dorsett because they're the vet guys. And they can rep different wide receiver spot. Conley can provide you depth at the one, two, and three. I mean, he can go X, Y, or Z. It doesn't matter. And his intelligence, and he's like a coach on the field as well. So I don't see them moving away from Conley. You're not overpaying these guys. So the key is, are they able to keep a six wide receiver? And if they are, it's going to be between Chester Rogers, who Aaron mentioned early on the show, just returned today, had a great first day before he injured his uh, ankle coming down on an insane catch going over the back of a DB in the back corner of the end zone. Uh, but then on the way down, rolled his ankle and he's just just able to return today. Uh He's got a chance of making a roster. He could be that sixth guy because he's a vet. He knows what to do. You know what you're going to get from him. Me personally, I'd rather see it be Connor Weddington. Uh, Connor was kind of mad at himself. If you watched during the game, he had a punt return, looked up at the big screen, and saw the a fair he fair called it. Looked up at the beer, big screen and saw 10 plus yards of, of space and knew that as an opportunity in a preseason game, he could have made an exclamation point and he chose the fair catch. It looked at the replay and was pretty upset with himself. I expect him to uh, save that memory in the back of his mind going into preseason week two, especially with Jalen Camp and Johnny Johnson III both catching touchdowns. And that takes me into these next two guys. After Johnny Johnson III started that preseason game with a bad drop, the nerves subsided. We saw him catch a, a touchdown and then highlight real catch with multiple spin moves after the catch. I think his best position is practice squad. If they want to bring him in and force the issue, like, hey, you know, we want this, uh, want to put him in that slot position to, to use his quickness underneath to uncover quick, give Mills another safety blanket out the slot underneath uh, with his uh, two tight end set. I, I could see him do it, see them doing it, but I, I just wouldn't keep him over Weddington. I think. I think he's a practice squad guy unless he catches on somewhere else. I think he hangs on to that final cut at the 53. Next week, they'll cut down to 80. Today, they cut down to 85. 
Next week, they'll cut down to 80. And then in two weeks from the day, they'll cut down to 53. After that final 53 uh, cut down, if he clears waiver, I think Johnny Johnson III will come back on the practice squad. Also think Jalen Campwell. I know he had a great adjustment on that four-yard touchdown catch, uh, but he needs to show, show it consistently. And maybe he's a game-type player. And so if he's able to go out there in a preseason and show it consistently, maybe he can compete for that sixth spot. But I think Johnny Johnson III and Jalen Camp best suited for that practice squad. And I think that six wide receiver spot, put the vets on there, Chris Moore, Philip Dorsett, Chris Conley, Brandon Cook, Nico Collins with them. Those five guys, those are your top five. They know what they're getting from them and they've got their growth upside potential in Nico Collins. They got that as that number two wide receiver. So that six guy, if they want to go with that vet guy, been there, done it, and they know what they're going to get from them, Mr. AFC South has this was the third team he's played for out of the four in AFC South. I think the Jaguars is the only one he hasn't played for. Chester Rogers, um, I would understand it. I mean, that's their MO. If you have an MO, stick to your style. That being said, the the value we just see Chester Rogers also provide some punt return value as well, or return value as well as Connor Weddington. So I think that's what we're going to see. Do they go with the upside and chemistry of Weddington with Mills? Or do they go with the vet and Rodgers? And I think that's the battle we're watching. And unless Johnny Johnson III and Camp uh, just consistently build off of their touchdowns in preseason week one, I think they're best suited for the practice squad in 2022. All right, lastly for the show tonight, young defensive tackles. I'm going to run quickly through this because Aaron touched uh, touched on these guys quite a bit in the opening as well. Uh, but he talked about Thomas Booker, like, getting attention. I'm one of those guys. He caught my attention. We've seen the pictures of the quads and I'm like, okay, is this just another, you know, flash thing, big quad guys, but those quads aren't for show. I mean, the, the eye test meshes with what we saw in preseason week one. He has an insanely powerful base that whether it's two guys or just one-on-one or what he's constantly moving forward and they're not able they're not able to get any push. He doesn't even have to anchor because they can't get push on him for the hat for him to even have to anchor, even with the double teams. It's exciting to have that type of clog there in the middle that can come in behind Lopez and Malik Collins in the rotation there with the D tackles to kind of give you a visual image. Uh, think of a T-Rex trying to push. I, I don't know what would be big enough for a T-Rex to push. Uh, a million pallets. There you go. I don't know why I'm thinking about pallets. And they're all one by one. I, I, never mind. Let's just stick with the pallets. I'm starting to break down how they would fall with his tiny arms pushing them. All right. OCD. All right. Back to it. But imagine a T-Rex just pushing something, right? And those legs just churning. No matter what he's pushing, it's giving up ground because his legs are so powerful. And I'm not saying Thomas Booker has tiny T-Rex arms. Don't. Don't. I'm, I'm, I'm not insulting the man. I'm, I'm just saying the powerful legs and the base, that's what you get from Thomas Booker, the paint that visual image for you. Kurt Heinisch, a lot of people are raving about Kurt Heinisch. A lot of people in the local media has been raving about him from day one. I was a little bit late to the party, I must admit on this, but watching in that game, the balance, the way he keeps working, the motor combined with it. Uh, I, you know, you heard us at the beginning of the show. I think Ross Blacklot's spot, could be in jeopardy. I love Ross, Ross Blacklock coming out. And I said, all right, it's just week, uh, year one. He's in Bill O'Brien's doghouse. Year two, new staff. Year three, I can't say it's a new staff, even though there is some changeover and everything. It's year three. 
your second round pick. You have to show that growth and be able to anchor. And these D tackles across the board show that ability to anchor. And no, they're not the pass rusher that Blacklock is. None of them have the pass rush ability outside of Malik Collins that Blacklock has. But that being said, they have balance and they're not. Uh, you remember when when we would complain about J.J. Watt? when we do film study or it was, uh, you know, pointing out to the fans or whatever, when JJ had free reign, he'd come off the edge and then you could drive an 18 willow off his side. So teams would just run, run to that side at JJ. Well, with Blacklock, it's the same concept almost, except it's not him taking off upfield. It's him getting mopped. Mop three to five yards off the ball consistently with no anchor. You cannot be that big of a liability in the middle of a defense, especially an aggressive defense like Lovey Smith when it's wanting to come after turnovers. You need somebody that can give you some pass rush from the interior, but can also hold up, at least hold up to a double team. You don't need to beat it, and Blacklock is showing uh, – where he's trying to drop that knee down to be able to at least anchor there and hold the two guys up. But even with that, he's getting moved off the point. So Blacklock, I believe it's a big preseason. I know Aaron said he's not on board with me. I've been wrong a million times before, so it wouldn't be wouldn't surprise me if I'm wrong on this. And I'm not saying Blacklock's going to get cut. I'm just saying the multiple talented defensive tackles in that group behind Lopez and uh, Malik Collins, you know Thomas Booker isn't going anywhere. There's there's some decisions there, and with the Texans probably keeping five D ends, you probably only want to keep four D tackles. So if you're keeping Booker, Lopez, and Malik Collins, it's Blacklock or no one else, or it's Kurt Heinish, or it's Michael Drumfor. I mean, just all these guys have that balance and are able to anchor down. So I'm not saying Blacklock does get cut. I'm just saying I wouldn't be shocked if we saw them keep somebody else over them, seeing how Casario didn't, wasn't the one that made the selection there to use the second round pick on them. And as far as being a liability there in the run game, he has to show that he can at least sustain for two seconds, if nothing else, sustain for two seconds in the run game there in the middle of the uh, the defensive line. Michael John Ford, we don't talk a lot about him. We saw him play a little bit with the Texans last year. But, uh, again, D-tackle, balance, balance, balance. And lastly, to end the show, this is a guy that caught my eye that I haven't talked about at all during camp. I don't think 6'4", 270 pounds. I think he's a little bit out of position here with the Texans and their 4-3 and what they're asking him to do. Plays more like a five-technique in the 3-4, but Damone Harris, and again, not a D-tackle, edge player, no way he can make the team unless injuries hit because you got, and we, we've gone over it ad nauseum, the depth at the DN position. Damone Harris is a guy that could catch on to another 53. If he doesn't, uh, it's a guy I'd like to see back here on the Texans practice squad. He played with strength, balance, and his motor doesn't stop until the whistle stops. And so I don't want to go too more, too much more into detail. I want to break down what we saw from week one. We got preseason week two coming up this week. For Aaron Wilson, I'm Jason Braddock. We want to thank, thank Danger Cole and iLogic Media for producing another episode. Uh, episode four of season one of the Houston Football Show with Aaron Wilson and Jason Braddock. Houston Football Show brought to you by Inside Edge. Until next Tuesday, thank you for listening.
Thank you for listening to the Houston Football Show, brought to you by Inside Edge.